frankly speaking, real talk, back at it. Hope everyone had a safe, happy 4th of July weekend. This was, of course, a mixed bag for so many reasons. I spent mine in my hometown, the birthplace of America, Philadelphia, which according to 30th Street Station, some people call the city of brotherly love. I've heard that. And some call the oat milk of scrubs. That one is new. Uh, Philly is fascinating as always. Got to see some magnificent art at the art museum, probably better known as the Rocky Steps. People still wrapping around lines to get pictures with fake Rocky, the icon of Philadelphia, of all the icons that actually exist. It's wild. Um, got myself cheesesteak, got some Italian seafood, hung out in Rittenhouse Square. And then uh, on the 4th itself, had a really surreal experience in the Constitution Center um, while SCOTUS and governments across America kind of reimagine and trash what freedom means in this new divided states of American landscape. Um, the experiment seems to be taking a sharp turn away from individual rights, but people are still out here fighting. I got to see a pro-choice protest right near the Constitution Center, right near the Liberty Bell, while Amtrak and Megabus decided to pull an Usher meme when I thought I was going to get to see the Statue of Liberty as well. They were like, watch this. Um, so instead I did what I normally do, real talk. I went to see a movie. It was hot outside. I wasn't waiting. Didn't want to keep drinking. Um, for a split second, I considered going to see Elvis, and then I remembered that a Baz Lorman musical biopic about an appropriating pill-popping pedophile is the antithesis my specific taste in art. So instead, I saw a movie about privileged Westerners up to no good in Morocco. It's called The Forgiven, um, starring Academy Award winning Jessica Chastain and Ray Fiennes. Interesting, very interesting, very appropriate for the fourth in the society we live in. Um, and then that was right around the time I found out about yet another mass shooting. Thoughts and prayers, as usual, to Chicago, Highland Park. The nightmare doesn't end. Another lunatic child with a machine gun ending lives. When will it stop? Doesn't seem like anytime soon if the government has their say. Um, thankfully, uh, at the end of the night, I decided to check out the lower key fireworks at Penn's Landing and not be around the massive crowd for the big concert and fireworks show in Ben Franklin Parkway because America, more gun violence, two cops shot, chaos ensued, city kind of shut down after that. It's just, why, why, why? Over and over and over and over. America, we gotta do better. How many times, I mean, I don't know what to say. Call your congressman, vote, stay engaged, but this is out of pocket, you know. Honestly, next year for the 4th of July, I think I'm going to express my freedom to celebrate my right to happiness and leave these borders for the 4th. Check out another land, see what they're up to, see how they're living, because we're not doing it right. We are failing this experiment. But anyway, left Philly, and now I'm back in Sim City with my 
beloved socially awkward and physically attractive clones of Charlotte, where I was joined in the lab, Huga Studios, by the return of wonderful guest Bex, who chopped it up with Netflix last time, and this time we discussed HBO. It's not TV, it's HBO. Just shy of its 50-year anniversary this fall. HBO is turning 50, y'all. And you know, had to break this one into two because 50 years is a lot and there's so many shows and so much to talk about. And, you know, got to include those requisite deep dives and dissections and diversions, real talk style. So, you know, letting you know now there are some spoilers one or two salty words and lots and lots of laughs. We were clowning on this one. So hope you enjoy. And uh, remember, even though these days seem kind of dark and, you know, America is going through it, it may not be a perfect or even happy home, but it is our home. It is our experiment. And much like the struggle continues, the experiment continues. So we got to keep on keeping on. So, peace and love, y'all. Peace and love. Enjoy the show. Back live in the Huga Studios with the return of Bex. Hi, everybody. Bex, good to have you back. Thank you for having me. We talked about it last time. We were going to have to have you back. And I think we found something dope. Apparently, 50 years this November, we've been watching HBO. Home box office. It's not TV. It's HBO. It's HBO. Last time we talked about Netflix, and Netflix was kind of going through a situation where they were not sure what they were going to be. They have a lot of competition, including HBO, including Disney, catching y'all up if y'all missed it. Mm -hmm. And we kind of did a whole diversion into all the streaming and stuff like that, and mentioned HBO a couple times. We did. We did. There's a little bit of crossover there. A lot of crossover. And now we're going to HBO. But on the flip side, HBO seems to be living large. They are. They are. Their content's been great lately. I mean, it's been this way for a while now. Every year you look and you're like, oh, wow, here's another show. Here's another show. But since they've kind of dedicated themselves to that streaming thing, transitioning from the, the cable platform, mm -hmm. they got crazy content. Absolutely. Absolutely. That and, you know, I mean, there's there's the HBO originals and the Max originals. So, I mean, they're kind of like doing a two-part as well there, which I love. You know, it's kind of hard to keep up with which ones are the HBO originals and which ones are the Max. I was going to say that. But for the purposes of this, since it is HBO Max, mm -hmm. they're maxed out. So, we're going to talk about both of them. Absolutely. Because if they're on the HBO Max platform, they're game. Absolutely. But then there are shows that are like the elite crown jewel franchises of yes. HBO. And in fact, one of them just came back, Westworld. Yes. How do you feel about Westworld? So for me personally, I started it, but it's just so overwhelming that I personally am waiting for it to finish so that I can just finish the whole thing. 
I hear that. <laughs> I've done that with a few of their shows that like I can just tell that I'm going to be too antsy waiting. So, yeah, I'm just I'm waiting for it to be done. And it's heavy. I watched last season and I know they escaped and then they were in the future. It just got even wackier and crazier because some of the characters might be dead. Some of them might not be, but they're AI. And so just yeah. because they're dead, that little red dot that exists. Right. And it's a lot. And it, it's made by the brother of Christopher Nolan, one of my favorite directors. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, Jonathan Nolan. He used yeah. to write some of the earlier okay. type of okay. um, the Inceptions and Insomnias yeah. and stuff with his brother. Yeah, see that like I, I wouldn't be able to wait season to season with kind of cliffhangers like that. And I especially just... with that puzzle box, because mm-hmm. I we still have no idea what's going on. Exactly. No, I'm glad that they've come back and they're still doing well though, because I know you know with all the California fires, like a lot of that set burned down and everything uh, too. So glad to see that they're able to keep putting their episodes out. This is such a wild world we live in. It is. I mean. California fires and the droughts that are going Mm -hmm. on out there and all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff like that. And then how that has the trickle-down effect where it affects the production of TV shows we're watching. Right, because, I mean, I feel like it was that and then it was COVID, you know, for Westworld. So, I mean, they've been delayed by multiple big, you know, big issues there, so. Yeah, that happened to Atlanta as well. Mm -hmm. But just, yeah, when you had these different situations, whether it's otherworldly issues. Absolutely. And then COVID shut us all down. Yep. We still have to talk about how wild it was that we were locked in our homes mm-hmm. for months. I know. It's, I mean, thank God we're kind of on the other side of that now, I feel like. So, yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed we don't have to go back to that again anytime soon. Hopefully not. Although some people, some, wood real quick. <laughs> some people would argue, though, that they enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was, you know, the first couple of weeks, I think everybody was kind of like, okay, True. okay. True. You know, just get to stay home, don't have to go to work. But then after that, cabin fever sets in. and It's only so many streaming yeah. shows and movies you can watch, although that, that boomed a lot of this. It did. Because so it many did. people were home. Absolutely. And anybody that had content ready to go you know, two years ago was really kind of at an advantageous, you know, point there because they were able to just push it out. And I mean, who knew that we were all going to be sitting at home for that first week watching Tiger King? (laughs) I don't think any, I don't think that show would have gotten nearly as big. We didn't even talk about that when we talked about Netflix, but that's a show that should have never had the recognition that it did. And I think COVID is purely to blame for that. Yeah, that was that was trash TV, and we needed it trash was, TV. It was. We needed something to just help us escape from all of that. So they were wilding you know. with that one, though. They were. They were. And then and they've oof. they've tried to like make a Tiger King expanded universe, and yeah. people were like, "No, thank no, you." Yeah, no. Yeah, no. We're we're all we're all set on that. But oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, some of the 2020 was weird, man. Very. It was weird, but very. Thank God, thank God we're here and twenty. Uptrend of you know getting away from the serious COVID, mm-hmm. it still exists. A lot of people are still getting sick, they and, are, and it feels like it's just going to be with us now. But with the vaccines and stuff, they did right. it, their jobs in terms of making it less dangerous, exactly. People aren't dying now, right? Right, it's just going to be like it's going to be like the flu, yeah. And not to say that it's as minor as the flu, I don't want to generalize it that way, but it's just going to be one of those things we just live with every year with a different iteration of it every year. But luckily, the iteration now is not killing people, correct? It, it was correct, getting, it was getting scary for a little bit. And people early on, when people were afraid to touch things and washing their groceries and watching streaming, <laughs> I know, I know, we're all just sitting at home bundled up with our masks. Oh. 
Oh, and our hand sanitizer. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's Ooh. right. But right, back, back to yeah, HBO. Back HBO. <laughs> See, this is we're how di- it goes. We're digressing. That's what Enough this about show COVID. does. <laughs> it, it goes into digressions because sometimes you have to go there. But HBO Max is one of the ones that got me through Absolutely. COVID and everything. I am not a huge series person comparatively. Okay. I'm the type of person that picks up a season or two mm-hmm. and then puts mm-hmm. it down and picks up another one. Okay. Sometimes I'll pick up an episode or two and be like, mm, yeah, no, nah, so I'm not doing this. I get that. But HBO Max and HBO have been pulling me in for years. Yes. They're good at that. I'll tell you. I mean, so when ever did- since I was little, I mean, their shows have just... I mean, I can remember like flipping to H, like going to another room in the house and like flipping to HBO so that my parents didn't know I was watching stuff. <laughs> you know, like watching stuff I wasn't supposed to. I just. That's oh, what HBO was. It. It's funny you say that because I wanted to see when you first started watching HBO. But for me, the first memories of HBO, shout out to the good brother Knees, got to get Knees back on the podcast. Me and Knees used to watch Dream On and. Tales from the Crypt, both of which we were not allowed to watch, (laughs) (laughs) but it would come on, and by that point, it was during the summertime, specifically, we would wait out the parents, and then Mm -hmm. here come the HBO, here Mm -hmm. come the HBO. Exactly. And Tales from the Crypt was horrifying. Oh, yeah. Especially as a kid, not supposed to be watching it, and so you kind of have to be quiet and stuff like that, Oh yeah. and you're listening to it low. And And it's dark, yeah. Oh. Oh, man, mm-hmm. the Crypt Keeper was scary. They really could have yeah. done a lot more with him because he would sometimes creep into my head and my dreams oh, yeah. and stuff. And I'd be like, oh, no, I shouldn't oh, have watched yeah. that episode. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's good stuff, though. Great stuff. And then Dream On was a sex comedy. Um, Brian Benben was his name, and I think he played I love Martin. Brian <laughs> he was, he He's was so super underrated. Charming. <laughs> he is. He is. And this was his show. And on this show, he had an ex-wife and a homeboy, and they would just get into adventures Mm -hmm. dating, dating in New York City. And, of course, being the young boys that we were Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. growing up, that type of stuff. Love to see what they were getting into. Oh, we would love to see what they were getting into. (laughs) Exciting, exciting stuff. (laughs) Naughty, naughty. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I remember, I think probably at that age, I was probably doing more of like the MTV dating show kind of stuff to live vicariously through others. I can dig that. Oh my gosh. The there was some trash back then. MTV was elite though, it early was. on. It was. The early days of real world, and mm-hmm. then you had like UMTV raps, yep. and then Total Request Live, and oh MTV gosh. News, TRL all that was stuff. My jam. Man, I'm I saying. I loved some TRL. I- I loved videos. I could just consume videos for hours and hours on end. So it's funny. I was actually just talking to a friend of mine last night. Like, I don't remember the last time I actually just like actively looked for music videos. I know they exist, but it's not a thing like it used to be. No, because I feel like I used to like go to MTV to like listen to stuff because it wasn't on the radio when I didn't have like if I didn't have the CDs or I didn't have the tapes. You know, and it wasn't on the radio. MTV was where it played, or VH1 was where it played. Like, it's not like now where you just go into your Apple Music or and your you Spotify. Just have it. And you yeah. Just, yeah it's we just we had to buy music and we didn't have jobs. Right. right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, I, I, it was very select, like, which yes. ones I purchased. Every once and in a while. And everything else, yeah, I didn't it'd have. It'd be a it. birthday, get a couple tapes. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. early on, 
it was the days of MC Hammer, LL Cool mm. J, Big Daddy Kane. That was when we first got into hip hop. Right. And there was two networks, BET, and then there was The Box. Okay. And so people would pay to play videos on the box. And the box mm. is where I got a lot of my hip hop because okay. hip hop was not on the radio really at all except for late at night. Gotcha. You know, even the urban networks during the day. Yeah, I remember playing VH1. Hip-hop. VH1 didn't have um, any hip hop until like what was like the mid 2000s, I think, when they started doing it. Because they were very strictly like no adult rap. contemporary think, type of stuff for VH1. I feel like they used to say that the only quote unquote rap video that they had was um, Blondie's Rapture. They were very like they were very happy about the fact that that was the only That's rap the video only that rap. they had. See? And then eventually they had to break that because everybody was like, "Yeah, no, we're going MTV. If we can't get all of the music, we're going MTV." They didn't and... even say like <clears throat> Aerosmith and Run DMC. They said I don't even Blondie. know. The... Yeah, because it was something. I feel like I saw that like on like a VH1 like pop up video thing one time. Pop up video. I know. Oh my god. Loved pop up like, video. I feel like I'm, I feel like we're like dating ourselves right now. But, but I'm saying this still... this is the era. Yeah. This is cable. The cable era, and that's when HBO really came into its thing. So, it did. It so then did. what were some of the ones that you remember when you first started watching HBO the shows? I mean, for so for me personally, um it was when we moved to Charlotte because when we lived in Jersey, we had Showtime. We didn't have HBO. Gotcha. So when I moved here, it was late nineties. Um so it was like ninety eight. So it was really kind of the beginning of Sopranos and Sex in the City for me. The icons. Kind of, yeah. So that was kind of when I got into HBO and of course those were shows that when they were on, that was when my parents were like, okay, you need to go upstairs and go to bed. And then I'd, I'd be flipping through that TV Guide channel to see when they were rerunning. Look, because mm-hmm. them shows were iconic. Sorry, Mom, I know you're going to listen to this later. <laughs> Compared to what's going on now, yeah. the stuff we were doing were innocent. We were sneaking oh, yeah. and watching Tales from the Crypt yeah. and... You know, hip hop videos a lot worse. worse. It was a much different time back then that was really tied to cable Mm -hmm. and movie theaters and network TV. Right. You know, you didn't have options on options on options. I know. Just limited. I know. Again, I say I had to go to the TV Guide channel to see when it was rerunning. (laughs) (laughs) What time did I have to sneak up and get out of bed and go watch it? Yo, in the middle of the night. TV Guide channel getting a lot of burn on this podcast because Frances was talking mm. about it. She would like design her schedule from TV Guide oh, channel gosh. to see what actors she was going to watch their movies, be it Brad Pitt oh. or Tom Cruise or Brendan Fraser. That's the other thing about HBO Max and HBO is that they used to show all the dope movies too. Yes. I always love it. Was it was it Friday night or Saturday night? That they were, Saturday yeah. night feature presentation. Yes. Yes. Oh gosh. I used to love like yeah, always like looking forward like okay, which movie is coming on this weekend? Yes. Because it was usually something good. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, sometimes it was worth it. Like if you missed it in the movie theater because it would come on HBO. It used to go movie theater, then videotape, then cable. Right. And then sometimes you would miss it during videotape because there would be other movies that come out. And yeah. so you you aren't paying attention. Well, remember when it was like a year between the movie coming out, though, and the, like the VHS tape coming out? I do. Out? Yeah. I mean, I think back on that and like now, I mean, stuff's like available for streaming within like a couple weeks. A couple weeks, yeah. Um, because I think even like Fandango app has stuff like a week after it's in the theaters, you can down, like you can watch it there before it's on everything else. And I remember we I mean, were at insane. work. And Spider-Man, the latest one, 
Mm-hmm. No Way Home was just popped up and it was available. And this yeah. was like three weeks after the movie had come out. Right. We were like, what? Yeah. You had yeah. to pay for it, but you could still watch right. it if you wanted right. to at yeah, home. Yeah, somehow like the airplanes would get it before it was on VHS. I remember like, they would the always airplanes. get it like 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 two months before it was on VHS. Like you you'd watch it on a plane. Shout out to hotels too. Remember when the oh, hotels yeah. would have like the movies? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that would, oh, man. that would make for a fun night sometimes. Yeah, when I was in Vegas, they still had all that like on the TV, and it was like asking me like what kind of movies I wanted to purchase. And I was like, just, do people still do people this? People still like, do that, especially in Vegas. Guessed. Like, there's so much to do. Yes. Like, who's who's buying movies on their TV? I mean, there's anyway, so many. Like, I don't know. They might be out here getting yeah. getting freaky and just yeah. put, put a movie on and get yeah, freaky. Hey, what happens there in you Vegas? Go. There you go. Stays in Vegas. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. Naughty, naughty. Makes me hope my room was thoroughly sanitized. Uh, you were Gross. just recently in Vegas. I was. I was. just. I was there all last week. Oh, man. What an adventure that was. Uh, you <laughs> told me about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. What happens there in Vegas there you go. stays in Vegas. Oh, gosh. So we're going to go back to HBO Max, though. Yes. All right. Let's so, get back to it. you know, because... You started watching it when the cream of the crop shows were yes. really hitting. Yes. And by that point, they had kind of made a name for themselves because mm-hmm. they had stuff like Kids in the Hall yep. and Larry Sanders' show. Mm-hmm. Arliss was another oh favorite of me and my brother for some reason. Arliss, the show that nobody ever remembers ever existed. D- they what don't. A, what a classic. It was a classic. Yeah. Although Larry Sanders' show with, was, with Hank Hey Now. I feel like was Arliss the first thing that Sandra O oh ever did, or like one of the first? It has to be. It has. Yeah, to be. it was so long ago, yes. and she's young enough that I feel like that was probably one of the very and first she things was, she ever did. She was probably the best part of that entire mm-hmm. show. She was great in that show. So as you get into that mid to late nineties, yep. HBO is really starting to cook because you got Cinemax, <laughs> Showtime. The movie channel was one. Yeah, Stars had not come out yet. Stars wasn't out. No epics. Nope. You know, nope. and HBO was doing a thing where they also had comedy shows. Yes. Rodney Dangerfield, yes. Comic mm-hmm. Relief. Absolutely. That was Whoopi, Robin Williams, rest in peace, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Billy Crystal. Yeah. Fundraising for good causes and introducing Absolutely. new comedians. Yeah, that and I mean, there's just all the stand-up specials that they had. I know we, I know we talked about that last time. That that's kind of most of it's moved to Netflix by now. But it yeah, has. HBO was really where you went for a lot of the stand-up. I am glad you say that because I might have forgotten to mention Def Comedy Jam, oh. which was really when yes. I started absorbing HBO. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. I went on a church trip oh, God. to like Buffalo. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to incriminate anybody, but them church trips be wild, man. And naughty, naughty. We all ganged up, ordered pizza, mm-hmm. and Def Comedy Jam. And it was the first time I'd ever seen Def Comedy Jam. And it was one of the iconic episodes with like Chris Tucker and Bernie Ooh. Mac. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Martin yeah. Lawrence was on there. Nice. And Martin Lawrence is just starting to enter nice. the, the fray. Yep. So Def yep. Comedy Jam was really one of the first ones. And then Oz. Oz. Oh. I had to eventually put Oz down. Like It oh got to gosh. be way too much. But that yeah. was probably the iconic prestige oh, yeah. show. Oh, yeah. It amazes me how many people have not watched Oz. I personally, I don't know that I've ever finished it. I've started and stopped it a lot um, because it it is a lot. 
after a while. So yeah, I don't know that I've actually ever. It's been so addicted, intense. But it surprises me how many people have never watched a single episode of it though, because it's it's classic. It's classic HBO. I mean, the anybody of- who's a fan of J.K. Simmons too, like you've got to watch Schillinger. it and just see his character. It's just like, that's I mean, the origin story, and he was a villain. Yeah, I mean, he's, Schillinger, he's the white so- supremacist. Yeah. mastermind and he would be controlling and chess playing and stuff yeah. i mean just he's so either easygoing or funny and everything he's in and except for that but he still had a charm on that sometimes a little bit where yeah. even like his enemies would talk to him a little mm-hmm. bit and then you forget how evil he was mm-hmm. and then next thing you know he didn't orchestrated somebody getting shivved yeah yep. or worse exactly hey caramba that show was wild it was it was Edie it falco was. was in that show as well she was she was sopranos, sopranos. Uh, at a bc that was a that yeah. that was a very intense show but again that put a lot of actors onto the radar absolutely and then from there, that's when they start spinning the hits. They are, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like especially like Edie Falco going on to Sopranos. So let's talk that's, about Sopranos. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, what is there to say? The one thing I will say is it is arguably the greatest show in television history. Probably, yeah. When you talk about the short list of shows mm-hmm. that can truly qualify as the greatest show in television history, yeah, Sopranos is undoubtedly on that short list. Yeah, and I've gone back and rewatched it, and it holds up. I mean, there's some stuff that's a little cheesy because it's just not the world. We don't live in the 90s anymore, yes. so there's some things that just don't don't really compute Fit in today. our world in our simulation right, right. because digital you know society. i mean like the cell phones are enormous or just like things because it's all like a lot of like pre kind of like some of it's pre internet or pre like you yes. know everybody having and their conversations and, are so silly and simple yeah, sometimes yeah. too so there's there's aspects of it that aren't that don't quite translate but most of it i mean it holds up though it it's, does it's incredible it just the acting is amazing the it's, acting is yeah I just, just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And when you talk about, I know it's a gangster show, but it's also an Italian-American family show. Absolutely. Because a lot of these characters in that show are not connected to the mob per se. They're right. in the orbit of these right. people who are connected. Exactly. Exactly. They're just, you know, longtime family friends and things like that. They're yeah, not. And family yeah. and clergy and right. people that right. run stores and exactly. things like that. Exactly. Run, run the restaurants that they all eat at. Yes, you know, indeed. all of that. It's, oh, man. it's great because it painted a whole world. And so you have the core Sopranos families mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that cross layers because you have Carmela and his kids, right? Meadow and AJ. Yeah, AJ, I can't stand AJ. He was he was a little brat. He was a brat, and of course he was. And his dad yeah. was insane, so it oh, makes yeah. sense that oh, yeah. AJ's not going to be okay. Right, right. And, and then you know you have Chrissy. Yep. I mean, AKA you... JoJo the Tyrant from Bad Boys. <laughs> and others. He also was in Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Imperioli. Oh he's... my gosh, yeah. And... and he was great in that show. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're all, every single one of those characters was amazing. And um, Many Saints of Newark was, it was, it was a little disappointing, but I felt like they still did a good job. There was nothing that was going to be perfect. They were not going to, yeah, but I do love that they had, is it Michael Gandolfini? Yes. I love that they had him play young. And he he had that, yeah, he he had that Gandolfini. 
I think that was really great. I mean, I also do love that they made him actually try out for that role, though. It was not just given to him. True. Um, he did audition for it against other people and, you know, still came out on top. Um, I'm sure there was probably a little bit of leeway given just because of how similar they look. Yeah. But, but he did. It, he yeah. But he worked because he did yeah. do a good job. And it was interesting to see the multi-scientists. Shout out to Ray Liotta. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace to him. Hopefully going to have a little fun podcast with another guest. Ooh, a Ray you Liotta know, one. Yeah. Ooh, I you know, like that. In, in, one of, in one of the Ray Liotta classics, yeah. of course. You know. Okay, okay. But yeah, Sopranos kind of changed TV in the sense Absolutely. that it was almost cinematic in quality. Absolutely. And acting. Absolutely. And then it was doing something that shows hadn't done because it was opening up about mental health. Yes. Way before shows were exploring that. Right. Definitely, you know, I mean, being somebody that works in, you know, kind of the mental health arena, that's something that is really, really important to just continue to pull the stigma away from. And yeah, it definitely was one of the first things to, one of the first like big shows to really tackle that. And I mean, I think they did a really great job at kind of how they approached his his mental health, you know, his depression and his anxiety throughout the entire series. Absolutely. It was so nuanced. That's what was so good about it. It was so realistic. Exactly. Because it didn't make him a victim. No. It didn't excuse his behavior either. No, no. And there but was never a moment that you felt sorry for him. I mean, there's a... And, I mean, I feel like that happens a lot with mental health. I mean, we tend to feel sorry for people that are going through something. But at the same time, like, you're right. Like, he wasn't victimized. He, he never sat there and felt like, oh, poor Tony, because he's going through X, Y, and Z. And he's feeling this, that, and the other. Like, it just, it was just so real. Yes. Although, it's funny you say poor Tony. That was one of the classic lines. Poor Tony. <laughs> poor Tony. His mom was a trip. Uh, okay, that season, though, can we talk about when that when that actress died? Yes. And then they went through and they cut together pieces that she had, like, sentences she had said. And I, I can't even finish the sentence Goose because it, it creeps me out more than anything in my entire life. Like, when I get when I do a rewatch and I get to that episode and she's just, like, bugging out because yes. they're just, like, splicing in. all the, Oh, my God. It's the creepiest thing. And it's, I mean, I wish they had just been like, you know what? Like, I went over to see her and, you know, she was gone. That would have been so much better. This whole like splicing, like because the '90s and early 2000s were not built for that kind of technology. That yet. is true. That is true. I know. Like, there's somebody that for one of the Toy Stories, I think something came out. I saw something the other day where they were talking about how they they spliced together somebody's a lot of sentences somebody had said that was doing one of the voiceovers. Okay. And immediately, I thought about Sopranos and that yeah. character because it just. I guess voice is a little bit different for an animated character, but that just. Mm -mm. She just she bounced around too much. I think it was like, it was it literally it was like the, it was, it was the visual of it. Yes. Yeah, it was jumpy. Like they could have just could they not have just like had her on the phone with him or something. Like I feel like there are better ways they could have done that. I they get still you. wanted the voice. I don't know. I get you. Like you could have called and answered her like on speakerphone or something. I don't know. It was it was but. it was a lot, and they you know it was the nineties. It was so it was they did the best early they 2000s. could. They did the best they could, but what can you say? So from. Sopranos, you talk about prestige TV. Do you consider Sex in the City prestige TV? And how do you feel about that? I don't know that I would say prestige TV. I would say it's classic HBO, but okay. I don't know that I would say prestige. Um, it's certainly made HBO a lot of money. <laughs> it most certainly um, between, did. you know, the series and there were two movies, and then there's been that there was that spin off carry Earlier show that this they year. did. Yeah. yeah. Which um 
Well, so there was the Carrie, the Carrie Diary show, which I did not watch. And then there I'm was the, and just like that. Yeah. Cause that's the thing that she says like in every one of the episodes and just like that, blah, 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 blah. At the end of like every single one of the episodes of Sex and the City, it's like when she's sitting there narrating while she's typing her. her I did not article. watch the new iteration it and I haven't tra- seen the entirety terrible. of the old one either. It was terrible. <laughs> and it's only one of those things that I watched because I just, I grew up, you know, watching the original Sex and the City. I mean, I've seen every episode several times. Um, it's one of those things that, like I just kind of put on for like background noise because it's, it doesn't hold up. A lot of it is just incredibly insensitive at this point. So there's a lot of episodes I have to just. It's insensitive. Interesting. Well, I mean, there's a lot of it that. Um, Are you talking about the original one? The or original t- one. Okay. A lot of gay humor that's not really humor. Oh. That in the 90s was gay humor. It's not now. Um, there's not a lot of people of color. There are some, but not a lot. Um, and there's a lot of just kind of jokes that aren't really racist jokes, but just just jokes that kind of go yeah, along with yeah, stereotyping like jokes that, yes. that kind of go along with those characters that are people of color, and it just it a lot of it doesn't hold up well. So there's certain storylines that like I'll go back and rewatch because they're fun. But a lot of it I kind of fast forward through. But the new one, it was just like they tried to like transport it into the 21st century. And I just, I think because a lot of it that just needed wrap up. And I don't know. A lot of it just like left me cringing most of the time. Like, uh, it just wasn't. There's there's just so many things that like, I mean, anything that I would talk about would be a spoiler for anybody that hasn't seen it. So I won't say anything. But I'll just say if you haven't watched it, you, you're not really missing anything. <laughs> if you want the spoilers, just let me know. I'll tell you. I can give you a, a, I can give you a 10 fired. second. I can give you a 10 second rundown of everything that happens so you don't have to watch it yourself because I literally cringed on a week to week basis. Cringe TV. Yeah. I love it. It was just one of those things that I feel like I think I just watched it every week hoping it would get better and then it never did. Oh, some and, things should never be revisited because you can't duplicate the magic. Right. And not having Samantha, I think, was a huge problem, too. I mean, She was the, the lifeblood of the show, really. Yeah, the whole thing with um, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall, like, their whole, like, you know, their whole Beef. feud. Which I don't really know too much about kind of what happened there. I just know that there is one. I think it was but, all about the money. And surprise, surprise. Yeah, Kim Cattrall <laughs> was like, if you want me to do these things, you have to pay me more money. Yeah, well, good for her. I mean, everybody should be paid what they're worth. Um, but her not being on the show, I think, made a huge difference because she was most of the sex in Sex in the City. Let's be real. Both in terms of the actual sex and the, the commentary yes. and the jokes yes. and just the essence. She absolutely. Was. absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, the rest of it was kind. Of, the rest of them were kind of vanilla. Yeah, they were her. very much the city, especially Sarah Jessica Parker was the city, and Kim Cattrall was the sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sense. the three of them are like the three lumps of vanilla ice cream on the Sunday, and she's the sprinkles <laughs> that bring all. She's the sprinkles that bring all the color and the fun to the party. Oh, so they had ice know? cream so, with no sprinkles, and it was exactly, just vanilla ice cream. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Cream. And yeah. it's just vanilla, like if boring. Boring. You know, exactly. There's no chocolate syrup. There's no, there's no sprinkles. No, no, no Yeah, no nuts, no nothing, no cherries. Yeah, no. Boring. So, yeah. Tomato, tomato, tomato. So then. Exactly. Another prestige show, clearly a prestige show, Six Feet Under. Oh, gosh. Who didn't love that show? <laughs> that was a wild show. Ooh. I did not love that show when it came out. It was a lot. It was I, a lot. To me, when it comes to like shows with like really fucked up families, though, 
to me, that's an iconic one for me. It's probably upper it's, tier of that. Them and um, what's the what's the the knuckleheads? Uh, shameless. Oh yeah, they're high exactly, on the list. exactly. But it's that just it's complete complete you know just yeah. dysfunction. Dysfunction, and it's hard to look away from that sometimes. Yeah, I, I've watched. You're some, watching that train wreck. You can't yeah, stop. You can't. But that was another show that had a lot of people that became part of the HBO universe, right. the TV show oh, yeah. universe. Also, when you talk about these shows at this early state of TV mm-hmm. and how Sopranos was bringing out issues of mental health and stuff, Six Feet Under was one of the first shows to functionally introduce homosexual relationships Absolutely. into a show as part of the family. and The original modern family. It, it <laughs> kind of, kind of to a degree. I mean, because now Modern Family, that's that was on what like ABC or yeah, whatever. Absolutely, and it's like everybody just kind of watched that, and it's normal. And we had to go to HBO for that. You had yeah. to go to HBO, and HBO was progressive by doing that because mm-hmm. nobody else were, and that really started absolutely. to become one of their trademarks is that they could tell stories mm-hmm. that other established networks and right. What not couldn't. Right. So you could get bold, groundbreaking entertainment with Absolutely. these high production values mm. and just grade A, capital A acting in mm. all of their shows. Sopranos, Kim Cattrall talking about how she was electric on Sex, Sex and the City. City. Yeah. Six Feet Under. That was pre-Dexter. That, that got know, him a whole I show. I you know. know what I mean? He's and like, I mean, let's go. Yeah. And I mean, who didn't watch Dexter? I mean, like, that's that was a show that ev- I feel like everybody watched, too. I mean, so that really launched him. Because not as many people have watched Six Feet Under. But just about everybody has watched at least an episode of Dexter or has at least heard of Dexter. Dexter so. was popping. That was when Showtime was doing their thing. But again, like we would say, sometimes Showtime would run out of gas. They wouldn't yep. know how to land the plane. Yep. That's one of the differences between HBO and Showtime to me is that they both have good shows, but HBO has so much content they know when to cash out. Right. They're like, we don't have right. to keep this show running for yeah. seven, eight, nine seasons. Exactly. Once once they can sense that those ratings are dropping, they're they're wrapping it's it up. It's on to the next. It's on to the next. Absolutely. Speaking of on to the next, Prestige TV and best shows of all time, in my opinion, yes, I 1,000% think that The Wire is the most brilliant piece of television ever created. Absolutely. Do you know how many people I know who have pets named Omar? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I know so many people that have named one of their pets Omar. Omar. It's unreal. Is talk about breaking the mold, mm-hmm. a clearly homosexual, black, Mm anti-hero in the streets of Baltimore. Oh, my gosh. He was a, he he robbed drug dealers. (laughs) That was his job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, like... That's what when he you did. Think that about was his it, job. Yeah. Like he, he would That's go out. Job. He would go out in the morning, yeah. whistling, his, yeah. putting yeah. on his gear, grabbing yeah. his shotgun, yeah. and going down to rob the local drug dealers. Oh, man, God. yeah. That show was wild. wild. It was. It was. Oh my gosh. And I caught on to that mm. late because I remember 
the corner had come out earlier, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. tried to watch the corner. Okay. And the corner got too drugged out for me, and so I had to tap out. I was like, gotcha. this is just tragic. Yeah. Then I heard they were doing The Wire, and so I was mm-hmm. thinking it was going to be vibes of the corner. And the first episode I saw was during the much maligned season two, which I think is brilliant. Yep. And so I watched that. I was like, okay, mm, interesting, yep. interesting. Yep. And then I did something I do a lot where I started watching season three mm-hmm. without having seen one and two. Mm-hmm. And by the time I think like season three was over, I had seen the previous episodes multiple times. That's what happens with yeah. me. If I start watching the show and it grabs me, oh, I'm going to go back. That yep. happened with 24. That happened with Breaking Bad. Yep. But I'm I'm not just going to try and start the show from the beginning. Right. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to get to the point where it gets good. Right. So sometimes I'll jump in. See where it's good. Be like, okay, I think I'm about to do that with The Boys. Because I had seen the first two episodes of The Boys and Mm -hmm. it didn't grab me. People say season three has been spectacular. That's what I keep hearing. I I was the same way with The Boys. I watched the first couple episodes and like moved on because something else was kind of coming out at the same time. And I thought, you know, I'm going to come back. And then I never went back. You never go back, but that's what happened. I've gone back to The Wire so yeah. many times. Oh, gosh. It's and so it's good. just so good. So many of the characters. McNulty is another one of those characters that he wouldn't fit on any other network. No. He, he, no. He has. Pro- well, he's a, a, you look at all the projects that David Simon and George Pelicanos have done together, like, really, no, they wouldn't work for any other network. At all. I mean, even when you think about, like, like Netflix or Hulu, where some people have moved on from, you know, HBO or Showtime to there, I can't even picture them being on either one of those either. But, well, I mean, it's just everything they create, it all has a similar vibe and it is a vibe that is strictly HBO. First of all, it's rooted in the location Absolutely. of where they, they put it. So it has this authenticness to yeah. it. That there's no shortcuts. Right. They don't take shortcuts, put locals in it, they're mm-hmm. in local locations. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That sort of thing. Absolutely. And so it just can't be done if you're not willing to buy into the vision. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. No, they're, they're masters. Masters. And The Wire is just a masterpiece. Just the way they weave it together. Because the first season is ostensibly about like... Cops and crooks. Right. You know, right. cops versus the drug dealers. Right. Then you get season two, and season two introduces, you know, these local unions and these longshoremen, blue collar workers, and the docks, mm-hmm. and then the international gangsters that traffic in right. the drugs and things of that nature. Then by the time you get to season three, now they're introducing local politicians and how this affects right. the grand scheme of things and then other crooks entering <laughs> the fray with the crooks you had exactly. previously and then the cops still trying to get on that and then i forgot the drug addicts because they're still a major right. part of it and by season three yeah. hamsterdam hamsterdam was, <laughs> i think that is the greatest season of television ever made it is so bold yeah, and so definitely spicy. up there and Definitely then the Shakespearean drama of String versus Avon in that one mm. is just so good. Then in four, they introduced the school system. Right. And the kids. And that one is the one that people love, but that's just so tragic. That show, it literally just peels like an onion. It does. It's just, there's just so many layers layer to it. Layer after layer it's after just, layer. And it, all, it all just ties back together. It's incredible. 
It really, truly is. It, it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. And yet it won zero Emmys too, in it's, its entire run. Zero. Not a single award for the brilliance that was The Wire. I know. Because grit never wins. Unfortunately, it doesn't because, you know, life is hard and the people on top don't want us yeah, to... Yeah, they, they don't want us to remember that yeah. we're living in, living in the grit. Ugh. We all are, to a degree. Ugh. So yeah. then, going to veer off of the prestige TV but talk about an iconic show. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about Entourage? I was actually going to pivot into Entourage earlier when we were talking about Sopranos because I do love the fact that Jamie Lynn Sickler was on Entourage <laughs> and Turtle just can't, he just can't believe that he's dating Meadow Soprano. Meadow Soprano. <laughs> I personally, Meta. I loved Entourage probably even more so than Sex and the City. I mean, it was the guy's version of Sex and the City, but I've probably watched every episode of that at least <laughs> five or ten times too because I just... Every single one of those characters is is gold. I just gold. Um, you feeling the love? Johnny drama, Johnny drama. though is Johnny drama. Johnny just, drama. Oh, Kevin he was, Dillon. He was, Kevin Dillon, man, and those teeth. He just has the biggest teeth, and it's the most. I think that's part of what makes him so funny is he's just so goofy looking. He is goofy. Like he's handsome, but so goofy looking. But then he's like the brother. He's like the um, I love the Reggie Helmsworth. For yeah. Matt Dillon. <laughs> exactly. I just like, but he's always like cooking eggs in the morning. Like, bro, you got to get your protein. Like, <laughs> Remember he went hey, to get bro. calf implants? <laughs> yeah, he was looking at people's calves. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. Shout oh. out to Johnny Drama, that, man. Was that when he was dating the girl that was like the trainer? Or she was like the or like the bodybuilder yeah, yeah. girl? And she was and like, he, she like walked into the kitchen. And she's all like, <laughs> like jacked up. And the guys are like, whoa. <laughs> but I mean, like everybody was on that show, too. Like Mark Wahlberg always popping up. Yeah, you know? celebrities for days yeah bob saget kind of rolled through different parts um james I mean, cameron was making oh yeah aquaman, aquaman. It, can we just say though that when aquaman came out and it wasn't adrian grenier playing aquaman like was anybody <laughs> else bummed about that but me because i really felt like it should have been i he mean come on aquaman. i know but He's... like okay i never saw it because everybody told me it was like the worst movie ever i haven't either so when that many people tell me don't waste your time I will listen because, yeah, to a degree, like, I don't like to let other people cloud my opinion. I'm not checking for but, Aquaman. I'm but yeah, just not so checking many, for Yeah, but Aquaman. so many people were like, don't, don't do it, yeah, don't do me it. Too. And then I thought, well, maybe, like, when it's on, like, HBO or Netflix or so, or, or wherever it lands up, I've tried a couple it. times, and it's, like, this phosphorescent like, look to it, and I'm like, nah, I'm like, good. Like, Jason Momoa, like, he's nice to look at, but he doesn't need to be the lead character in anything. He does not have the acting chops. Love him. He's hot. But he 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 doesn't have enough to carry the lead role. It, for me, I don't get it sometimes because I don't like gorgeous, dumb dumb women. I need some type of personality, right, to match for them to be a hottie to me. And so these Joe Handsomes, like him well, and Henry right. Cavill, who are just like dumb dumb Joe yeah. Handsomes, I'm like this right. dude is. He's a piece of wood. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just, I mean, he's great for, like, a secondary character. And he has a little more charisma than Henry Cavill. Right. But, but yes, he but has yeah, no, he act, just, no he, acting chops. No, so. so that's where, like, I, uh. yeah, I do love, though, when somebody asked him, like, you know, when, he, like, somebody interviewed him when it was announced that he was going to be Aquaman. And they were like, you know, 
how like how's like how are you gonna how are you think you're gonna do are you a good swimmer and he was like i'm hawaiian bro <laughs> he was yeah, like come on exactly. like are you kidding That's me i'm thing. hawaiian he has, he, has, he has some charisma <laughs> yeah. but he doesn't have like I mean, yeah, carry he, a movie chapter. Yeah. i'm not trying to see he him for two look. hours two hours yeah. the, to me the look is it's like ugh. yeah i mean like that i mean i feel like it's with 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 characters like that the look is important but the thing is, they could have sacrificed some of the look to have somebody that could have carried the character. He looked like Roman Reigns to me. <laughs> like, I don't even, like, <laughs> the clone. He's got that beefy Hawaiian. bro vibe. Yeah. Yeah, Samoan bro. Yeah. I mean, it's just, Yeah, you it's know, cool. It, yeah, I mean, it was, you it was know, all right. Shaka bro. You feeling the love? I feel like we deserved Adrian Grenier. I feel like I we don't. did. I don't. Oh, see I don't. I think that movie made $6. <laughs> Oh, do you, th- you don't think enough people that were big Entourage fans, though, would have They would have had to do it, it early on. They would have had to do yeah. it early on. Yeah. I mean, not not after all this time. Although, they keep every once in a while, they're saying there's going to be an Entourage movie. They made an Entourage movie. Oh, that's right. They did. Oh, my God. I completely <laughs> forgot that that existed until right now. I did see that. Oh, my God. Yeah. How embarrassing. For no. Entourage, yeah, <laughs> not fact, me. Fact. That is not embarrassing for not me. Not very that is, memorable. That is... And I cannot tell you wow. what it was about. And obviously, it wasn't good enough to make an Entourage 2. They made a Sex in the City 2. They did, and that that was regretful. Hold on. I'm, I'm about well, to Google some, some Entourage movie real fast because, <laughs> oh, my God. Whoops. Well, we talked about uh, Jason Momoa, Aquaman, yeah. and we were on HBO, so another prestige show, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's uh, where he got his fame yes. from. That's the- a show, though, they should have cut sooner. Talking about HBO knowing when to cut stuff. They should never, ever have let that last season go. That's the unfair thing about what happened. George R.R. R. Martin wrote mm-hmm. the the books right. that the successful earlier seasons were based off of. Right. And they were under the understanding that he was going to finish the books. Right. And they were going to be adapting his works as they had done. Right. And then instead, he was like, mm, mm, nah, nah, nah. nah. And then they had the show, so now they have to land a plane, and they can't write, and they right. didn't write any of the previous books. So instead of taking some time to chill and get somebody that's familiar with it that can yeah. help them come up with the best thing, they were like, "We gotta hurry up with this," and they came up with just. I'm trying nonsense. to remember who it was. Benioff and Weiss were the showrunners. Who was it that was supposed to have like one of the Star Wars movies that got it pulled from them because is the, because it's these ones David M- was it those was it those two guys yes. okay yeah and Weiss Weiss yeah, and Benioff okay. that's a bummer for sure that like literally like you tanked one of the best TV shows on HBO to the point where Star they, Wars is like yeah no we're not gonna let you do that to us well they were about to tank mm. HBO because yeah. the next show they were gonna do between Game of Thrones and Star Wars was a show about what if slavery was legal in present day. Um, yeah. Not a good idea. Well, I mean, there was already that, like, call it like a mockumentary Confederate States of America yeah. that came out. How long ago was that? Was that out, like, 10, 15 years ago? I was going to say. It was I mean, that like thing, that thing was ago. cringy then. Like, why on earth would you bring that back now? But this was going to be a prestige <clears throat> drama attempt. Uh yeah it's no i mean who like who was gonna who was gonna sit through that and wh- who would the audience have been fact it was called I mean, confederate ew. yeah so what if the confederate army 
won the Civil War and slavery remains legal and has evolved into a modern institution. So, yeah. I wish you guys could see my face right now because I'm just, I'm so confused. She's I'm confused, so confused. Disgusted. I'm like there, such a look I don't have just, words. I don't yeah. have words right now because this is the first I've heard of this somehow <laughs> and I just No, there's just so That's the thing is that modern day like we have Facebook and and iPhones and slaves. I mean, what are we doing here? Jail, are, we, are we are we literally the, buying slaves on our on our iPhones? Uh, like is there an app for that? Uh, I'm just saying, like, where do we go with that? No, we don't. Exactly. We don't go with that, that. That's what I'm saying. Like, which modern day are we talking about? Oh, this modern day. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Having said that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I'm, like, so grossed out still. My Sorry. You guys are listening to my brain actually trying to process this. <laughs> I may have broken her brain. <laughs> oh, my God. I just... There's no, there's a lot I have to unpack with this. So let's move on. I'm going to unpack this later. Oh my God. Let's move on. But Game of Thrones, though, Mm -hmm. was a very formative show on HBO. And specifically in terms of you talk about scale, to have a show that's fantasy that has that type of budget. Oh, I know. And the does sets. it so well. Oh. The sets, the costumes, the location. I mean, it just it just was so expansive. It was. Expensive and expansive. Like, Expensively just, expansive. Yeah. I just... But so I mean, well executed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do love, though, when you can go back and like people have seen like where, like, oh, there's a Starbucks cup sitting in the corner. Because I'm like, ah, oh, at least it's not completely perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, they ruined that perfection at the yeah. end. Who is but, your favorite character? Oh man, um, it's hard. Um, honestly, I like all of them to a degree, even even the evil ones. Yeah, because they had some of the most evil characters it's, ever. Cersei was evil, but she um, but she was so great. Yes. and that's the thing is that like there were so many great moments that involved her. That I, I hate her, but she was probably still one of my favorites. Um. I probably, probably Arya. Yeah, that's me too. I'm Arya. Yeah. Team Arya and Tyrion. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to say her like right off the bat, but then I was like, wait, hold on. Let's make sure. Um, I got to give them props. Joffrey. Oh, man. He was fabulous. Awful. That acting by just being, to be so evil. I know. As a little child. I know. Bruh. Can you imagine though? And this is, and I feel bad for him before I say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. The fact that he was supposed to be like the son of Cersei and um, what's his name? Um, the brother, the brother, uh, the brother that wasn't Tyrion. Yeah, the other no, one, the, um, the good-looking one, <laughs> Jamie. Jamie. That's thank why you. because yeah, Jamie it's doesn't. It's too. It's, fit. Too, it's yeah. too regular. It's too like it's too. It's too 21st it's, century yeah. still. Um, but yeah, no, I mean like. He actually looked like he was kind of inbred. He did. And he like, did I, have I, that smushed face. Yeah, he had that like that goofy look to him. And I mean, I feel bad saying that, but like, they did a great job casting that because there was there was no there was no kidding that that was probably what was going on there. Looking at him, he was on one perfect yeah. casting. Yeah, that show was really really good. I think. You could argue that that's one of the greatest shows of all time. Absolutely. I think the plane needed to land better. Yeah. To put it in the category of The Wire and The Sopranos. Right. 
But in terms of the HBO icon, first ballot Hall of Famer, yeah. Game of Thrones is definitely in. Well, there were just there were so many great episodes that led up to it that for all the, like the kind of like battle episodes that final season, they were just so just, boring. <laughs> you know, like you'd look back and you think about like like all the different wedding episodes. Those were all iconic. Battle yes. of the Bastards, yes. iconic. And just so gut wrenching, and then you get to this like final season where it's supposed to be like the most epic episodes back to back to back, and we're all like, okay, a lot maybe of it next was anticlimactic be because yeah. the White Walkers were the big bads, right? And, and they then were... they just kind of got rid of them quickly so yeah. that they could go on to the next thing, right? But that was what everything was leading up to, right? And then on top of that, Arya, while it was awesome that she, yeah, it didn't make sense. And we didn't watch her go through the whole entire transition exactly. she went through for that. She right. went through it for a specific mission exactly. that they just forgot about. Right. And then, yeah, all the time she was off doing her own thing. Remember when Ed Sheeran was on that one episode? <laughs> I didn't know until the oh, internet God. told me. Yeah, I, he was the guy that was like oddly just playing the guitar in the middle of the woods. Yeah. I mean, because that's what Ed Sheeran is wont to do. Yeah. I mean, know. he's uh, me such, just, a, such a goofy guy. But he, like, he's I a mean, goofy looking fella. He is. He is. He fit right in with that cast. But my God. So then I'm going to end my prestige shows with True Detective Season 1. Oh, my gosh. It's not a prestige show in mm -hmm. this case. This is a prestige season. Okay. Talking I was hoping we would talk about this. People dealing, talking about superstardom. So this is in the uh, reconnaissance. Oh yeah. As he's just starting to get back into mm -hmm. the mainstream, mm -hmm. and they put him on there with one of my favorite TV and movie personalities Woody. of all time. Woody is my guy. He's been my guy since Cheers. Uh, love Woody Harrelson. Anytime he's in something, I'm like, oh, what's good? It's good to see you. And Season one of True Detective is seriously some of the best TV that's ever, ever been done. Elite. I mean, elite. They're like the writing, the acting. Um, can we talk about the makeup? <laughs> because when they show when they when they show them when they're young, I mean, it actually looks like like, yes. like their younger selves. Yes. Whoever was doing the makeup for that, if they did not win awards or get the kudos that they deserved. Props they are now we're, because we're, we're giving yeah. you your flowers right here. Yeah, I mean, that was some of the best makeup because it literally looked like younger versions of themselves. Like I, I felt like I was just watching old episodes of TV or whatever or mo old movies. It was incredible that mo that show. I've rewatched it a few times because it just and like you know you pick up things that you didn't notice the first time around and if you wait long enough you forget kind of exactly how it is and how it, how yes. you know because. It really, you know, it's not one of those shows where, like, the killer's, like, right in front of you the whole time. Exactly. So, and it's I a forget case. that. They really have to work yeah. to figure out. Yeah, and I forget that because, like, I'll go back and watch it and think, like, wait, where is he? And, I'll, like, I'll watch, and I don't see it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is it not who I thought it was? And then I start to second-guess myself, which is also kind of a brilliance of that show because I kind of get surprised by it every time I rewatch it, too. And then but, on top of that... <laughs> The the balance of just the scenes between them mm -hmm. and the dialogue mm -hmm. with the scenes of like, you know, the foreboding bad guys and the creepiness of what's going on and the investigation. So it's a great procedural. 
but it's also like a great hang. Exactly. Just watching these two guys at the height of their powers. Right. Just capital A acting is fantastic. And Woody is hilarious in this he show. He is. He is. Well, I mean, Matthew McConaughey is too. I mean, they just, they both, like, I mean, Matthew McConaughey is so dark, though. He's so dark. But and it's just, darkly but like, funny but it's, sometimes. But it's, but, it's, but it's like, he'll say stuff, but then it's like, you're right, like, like Woody Harrelson will be like, can you just never say that to me again? <laughs> Can we just play the quiet game? Yo, like it's always just like this, like it. he's just like, no. He always just like no. Matthew McConaughey would have my man Woody pressed. Oh gosh, I actually great. yeah. So I did a I did a season one rewatch a few months back with a mutual friend of ours. Okay. And he actually he he got a new place, and so do you want to see what I? This was his housewarming gift. The big hug mug. The big hug mug. <laughs> because we kept sitting there live and we're like, wait, what is that that he's ashing into? <laughs> Ordered. <laughs> the big hug mug. Oh. It's it looks and it looks exactly like that in real life. It, it's pretty incredible. That's dope. Yeah. And that that's very yeah. Matthew McConaughey. Absolutely. The, the show is great. That, that was Lone Star. Austin, Texas represents. Yeah, he's like, you know, just six pack of something cheap, nothing snooty. <laughs> I just love that nothing snooty. An yeah. incredible all-around show, like you said, performances, the makeup, yeah, the and camera it's, work. Well, it's scripts. another one of those too. Like when we were talking about, um, like David Simon and George P. Like it's just being so immersed in that local culture. Yes, it it did such a good job of that because Down on that, the bayou. yeah, Ooh. I know it just it, you know had they not been so immersed in that, I don't know that it would have done as well too. So the fact that they were just in it, I think helped a lot. So yeah. Great shows. Ooh. HBO makes the elite shows. They do. No they matter do. how you slice it, they're just they're just on another level. Yeah, I will say other episodes, other seasons though. True Detective did not quite did they not miss. quite hit it for me. They miss. They yeah. miss. Season one though, I'm 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 all about since season one. Elite. Elite. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's the that's the prestige portion of yes. it. Yes. Yes. Where we, to next? We're gonna we're gonna take a pause and then we're gonna come back and then we're gonna talk about. Some of our more deeper dives, ones uh, that are not necessarily elite. And then the landscape of what they're up to now was been coming out recently. Sounds so, good. All right. Catch you on the flip. 